course called Disciple Makers. If you're uh, new to this uh, congregational meeting during the week, um, we normally meet on a Friday. We're trying out Wednesday this month. And so uh, we've been going through a course called Disciple Makers. And the idea is to fulfill the Great Commission to go and make disciples, um, that we really have to uh, not just obey that command and that call that Jesus gives us, uh, but we also have to learn how to really reach a world that is not necessarily uh, looking for that message or understanding that message sometimes of, of really calling people uh, to follow Jesus. And so Disciple Makers is a course designed uh, to uh, learn how to best present the gospel truths to our friends and those we are reaching out to. Um, and so we have a, a study series we're using uh, that goes with uh, Disciple Makers as a strategy, if you will. The, the, the study series is called Guard the Gospel that I'm presenting. Uh, that's a pretty commonly known study series throughout our family of churches. There are many other study series. Uh, you may have been, if you're an old school disciple, you may have learned first principles back in the day. And uh, there, there are other, you know, studies that are out there. Uh, but the point is to present the truths of the gospel to someone so that they can be saved uh, by, by, by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so so that's really uh, what we're doing as a church. Um, and, and those who wish to graduate, from the Disciple Makers course, we are, we are having them memorize those Guard the Gospel scriptures for each study. And if you get 7 out of 10 on average, you can then graduate from the course. So you don't have to do that. It's not a requirement. Tonight we're going to look at the sin study. And I thought it would be appropriate because we're going to look at this sin study. Since Romans 5.20 says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that would be appropriate to not have a quiz tonight for you guys. To give you a break from the quizzes. Uh, so next Wednesday, we'll have a quiz on the discipleship scriptures and the sin scriptures. So we'll combine those two studies into one quiz next Wednesday. So so uh, because as you know, as we look at sin, we do need grace. Uh, of course, that's where the studies will head uh, as we uh, continue to move forward here. Uh, of course, uh, disciple makers, the strategy uh, is, is this idea of asking purposeful questions, right? We've heard this a lot now if you've been coming to these classes. And they deal with interpretation of the text, the biblical passage, the application of that, and then the contemplation of that, you know, what, what that means for us, uh, you know, to, to use smaller or, or, or maybe more descriptive phrases, it's the then and there, the here and now, and lastly, why it matters. Um, sorry, and the other, the other part of contemplation we haven't talked as much about is, is what is hard about that? What's going to be challenging? What's going to be difficult should you really accept this passage uh, as, as it is? Um, so that's been the strategy we've been going through. Hopefully we're, we're learning how to think through a passage uh, and think about, you know, interpretation, you know, the context of the passage. Basically, what, what did it mean then? That's what we're getting at when we look at interpretation. Um, to that original audience when it was said by that original person. And now we have it, of course, recorded in Scripture today that we're reading. Uh, but that's not enough. Obviously, we then want to apply it to our lives today. Uh, and that's the second part of the questions that we want to ask. And if you remember, the, you know, it's, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the what, the how, and then the why, right? And, and, and so the last part, of course, is, is uh, contemplation, just thinking through, you know, what, you know, why is this important? What might be challenging? Should I accept this passage um, in my life? And so we're trying to learn how to really do that with our friends and our neighbors and, and any seeker who wants to learn more uh, about the truth that the Bible teaches. Um, so tonight we're going to look at the sin study, the most, um, you know, the most ominous study in the series. Ooh, you know, the sin study, you know, it just sounds intimidating. Um, and, and, and to be fair, if you understand the cross of Christ, sin is ominous. Sin is dark. 
Sin is dreary. Sin is disgusting. Uh, Sin is a a deadly and dangerous thing, biblically speaking. But we do have to understand uh, sin in the context of the grace of God and the work of Christ. And so certainly uh, the sin study, is, is, if it's used the right way, can really help someone to really understand God's love and really appreciate uh, the grace that God's offering. But we can't get to, we can't get to the, the cure until we make clear what the problem is. And that's why the sin study, uh, I think along with discipleship, uh, can be very powerful to help people to see, really see their need for God. Really see their need for God. Uh, and so, so the purpose, as I said, you know, is to allow the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8. That's a passage we've talked about a lot. Uh, you know, while we all, all seekers to be saved by grace, there's no grace if we perceive no sin in our lives. Um, and of course we uh, looked at Simon and the Simple Woman recently that displayed that as Zach Anton preached um, from London. Um, so the purpose is pretty clear, I-, I believe, when you look at a sin study. Uh, but I do think uh, it's important for people to find clarity about their own personal sins. Uh, you know, how can, we, how can we really you know, help people to see their own sin um, in their life uh, and, and, and you know, the most recent sins would be an easy place to start. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the sin list um, and how they can go away and kind of contemplate a bit. That's a practice that we have uh, that some people you know, still teach today and encourage people to do. And we'll talk a little bit about the sin list here um, because that, 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 that's something that um, has developed over time. The Bible actually has sin lists, Galatians 5, 19-21. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 21. Um, Jesus himself may have even recorded people's sins when they brought the adulterous woman before him. In John chapter um, John chapter 8, they said, you know, she was caught in adultery, you know, sh- should she be condemned? And, and, and Jesus doesn't answer them. And what does he do? He, he crouches down, it says, and he, and he writes in the sand. And some scholars think perhaps Jesus was writing out the different sins in their lives. Because he says, he who, he who is without sin cast the first stone right after he crashes down uh, for a little while. We don't know what he wrote in the sand. Maybe we can ask him that in heaven. But uh, it's really important to approach this idea of, of someone, you know, uh, recording their sins personally in some way in a journal or, or really reflecting on their sin. Um, it's important, I think, first of all, to realize it's not a requirement. Someone doesn't have to do that to become a Christian. It's not something they are required to do, but it might be helpful because most people tend to water down their sin and tend to belittle their own sin, and so a sin list can help someone to really contemplate uh, how sinful perhaps they really are, and again, ultimately so they can see their need for God, uh, just as we, when we take communion, are reminded of our sin, and we're, we're seeing again our need for God. Um, James 5.16 says, if you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, uh, you may be healed. Um, and so I think that's uh, that's that that it's great to get clarity. It's great to, to ha- have people think about um, their sin and even possibly write it all down. I know when I was a a young man, I was studying the Bible. I, someone encouraged me to do that, and I did that, and it was actually very sobering because I kind of thought of myself as a good person. I'm a pretty good person, and then when I went through all the different sins listed in the Bible, and I looked at my own life, I thought about okay, here's this this sin, and then how many times have I committed this sin? And that was just one sin, and that was just 19 years, you know, and then I go back to, you know, and and all of a sudden, I'm seeing I'm not as good, quote-unquote, as I think I am. Um, And so, you know, the clarity is the most important thing. The homework, the idea of of encouraging someone to go away after they study sin, and we'll go through it here in a minute, and reflect on the sin, I think is, 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 is a good idea, but it's not necessarily something, again, that is required. We've talked a lot about this. It's... Every person is different. 
what what helped me might not help you. Uh, you know, Carol, I think shared her, her her God loved us first study when we were talking about seeking God. She feels like that's what we should use to help people seek God, and, and I thought that was a great great angle for sure. But you know, I I, th- I went away and I thought about that. And I thought, well, for me, you could have told me up and down. You know, God loved you first, Forrest. I already knew that, and I already felt good about myself, and so that wouldn't have really motivated me. What I needed was some fear of God. And so the sin study and the discipleship study, for me, whoa, that got me motivated you know, to seek God. But for someone who maybe is coming from the other spectrum, not feeling secure, not feeling loved, not feeling safe, God loves you first, well, that, that might blow you away, and, and, and you'll seek God from there. And so, again, every person is different. There's no, there's no formula here, and we've got to really make sure we get out of that box where we think, well, this is what you do, and this is how you do it. We've got to continue to unbox um, you know, how we think about approaching people with the Bible. And Disciple Makers, of course, is a lot about that. Um, and, and, and then lastly, with the whole point, the whole point is, is, to, is to end studying sin with hope. You know, pointing them toward the good news of the cross of Christ. Because once we really uh, help someone to see their sin clearly, uh, and that might happen during the study and certainly in follow-up after the study as they contemplate more, we then want to point them to the grace of God. And so, again, if a sin study is done right, yeah, it's it's painful. Yes, it's a bit surgical, but it actually is is incredibly powerful. Like Simon and the sinful woman, right? Uh, you know, the, well, she sees her sin and so she loves Jesus much. And so I think we really need to be humble and, and, and godly and careful as we approach people about sin. Uh, and certainly, um, we'll talk about this in a moment, one of the greatest ways we can approach people humbly in a sin study is to share about our own sin, our own shortcomings, our own struggles uh, before we became a Christian, and certainly even present tense. Because we all have sins that sometimes tempt us and we, and, and we give in to. And we need to repent of. And so I think if we come up with that kind of spirit, uh, again, the sin study can be a very powerful thing to help people uh, to find their salvation. So there's a few things about purpose, clarity, uh, and, and kind of where we need to go. Where, where's the sensitivity pointing to ultimately in the end? I, I, I never want someone to walk away from a Bible study with me and just feel bad news. They should feel good news. So even in the sin study, I think there can be some, some good news at the end of it when we really help, to help them see, well, this, this is not where it ends. Yes, it's ugly. Yes, it's bad where our sin leads us. But but the thing is, Jesus died for that very reason. And so let's get to the good news as soon as possible. When someone's really convicted about their sin, you definitely got to be gentle. You gotta you gotta be careful. You don't you don't want to crush somebody. Only only God can do that. And even when God crushes a soul or He breaks a soul, He does it to actually heal them and bind them and and, and fix uh, the soul diseases in their life. And so I I do think um, we have to be careful. We live in a broken world. Uh, people struggle with all kinds of, uh, you know, self-inflicted uh, wounds, as you know, family-inflicted wounds, emotionally, uh, spiritually, mentally, and so we really have to be gentle and careful as we challenge people's lives with the sin, you know, that that's in their hearts. And so, I, I think you understand what I'm saying on that. I hope you do. I, we don't shouldn't walk around beating people over the head with their sin. Um, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus was about. He was very gentle toward people um, who were fragile. But when people were proud and people were arrogant and people were stubborn, well, then then he was quite firm. Uh, and so we really got to be careful uh, how we approach people uh, with the sin study. So ho- hopefully that makes sense. And maybe we can have some questions at the end about the best way to approach people. Um, the sin study and guard the gospel, um, I-, I do believe it can be used to clear up a lot of misconceptions. What are some of the big misconceptions 
Uh, I've talked enough. What are some some of the misconceptions about sin that are that's that's out there? Um, by the way, the Greek word for sin it, it comes from an archery term, and it literally means to miss the mark. And so it's this idea of we're we're falling short of what God really intended for us. Uh, that's what biblically uh, sin is. Um, so 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 based on that, um, what are some of the misconceptions out there about sin that the study can clear up? Okay. Some sins are worse than others. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. We can sometimes think our sin is us, but it's actually something that we do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That all sin can separate us from God and damage us, yeah. Not just the outward stuff. Right. Right. Yeah, sin's not just what we do, but also what we don't do sometimes, yeah. Missing the mark. Chris? Okay. Right, okay, yeah. Couple more here. Okay, right. Anything else? Yeah, a lot of comparison out there with that, yeah. Martin? Okay. Yeah, almost like we're covering it up, we're concealing it sometimes. Let's read. Thanks. Yeah, so, so there's lots of misconceptions out there, lots of misconceptions. Uh, we, just for sake of time, we'll move on. Um, and so there's a lot, a lot to be said about the definition of sin. And you might want to do your homework on that. Look up the Greek word there like I was describing. Um, uh, you know, uh, the consequences of sin, uh, the, 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 the clarity of sin that the Bible gives, uh, the confession 
uh, and rejection of sin that the Bible calls us to. And, of course, that touches on repentance. There's so many things uh, this study can clear up which are actually really beneficial uh, to someone's soul. Uh, although, as I said earlier, uh, sometimes painful. The ultimate goal of the study, I, I believe we could summarize it, is to help seekers see themselves as our holy God sees them, utterly sinful and separated from our God. This realization, which is painful, as we've said, brings about a desire for both forgiveness and repentance. And so it's not, it's not to hurt someone, it's to help someone. At the end of the day, when we really point out sin, if we do it uh, the way Jesus would, it will heal people. It won't hurt them, it will heal them uh, in the end. And that's the, our challenge, is to make sure we are helping people in the way we approach them, in the way we present it, in the way we share it. And again, I think if there's a personal humility that, I, that we have, that we know we're a sinner, simply saved by grace ourselves, we will not approach them in a harmful way. Uh, uh, because we know, you know, our sin is like a plank. And everyone else's is a speck, um, and so on and so forth. And so, so the studies themselves, um, uh, the actual guard the gospel, the GTG there in the, of the sin study. Um, there's a lot of different passages uh, that could be used. These are some ones that I, I I've used more recently that I found helpful. Certainly, you can use lots of other ones. Uh, Zach Anton did a great sermon from Luke seven. Uh, 36 to 50. We won't read it for sake of time tonight, but of course it's the story of Simon um, and the sinful woman. Um, and of course Simon is the Pharisee who doesn't see his need for Jesus, and so he doesn't love Jesus much, and he actually makes a mockery of Jesus at his dinner party, right? But the sinful woman, of course, breaks into the dinner party and does all the things to Jesus that, that Simon as the host should have done. And uh, Jesus says, you know, she loves much at the end of that passage because her many sins have been forgiven. And so we see this direct correlation uh, that the more we, we actually realize our sinful nature, the more we, we will love and appreciate Jesus. And so that's a great passage to start with if you think someone is really fearful and hesitant of, of talking about their sin. It can kind of you know get rid of that phobia and that fear right away that they see, oh, actually, it's good to recognize this so you can really love Jesus even more. It's also a great way to end a study if someone's really broken and really humbled by, by opening up about their sin to give them the hope of, of the love of Christ. Uh, I, I sometimes use it at the beginning. I sometimes use it in the end. But I, I almost always use this passage now uh, in a sin study. Um, you know, sometimes I, I don't get through a sin study in one setting with someone. I, I'm personally not a fan of two-hour-long studies. I think you need to leave it to about 45 minutes to an hour. I think the brain can only comprehend so much, spiritually speaking. Uh, so sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll look at the consequence of sin, the way what sin does to us uh, spiritually with God. Uh, I'll define sins from Galatians 5. Mark 7, and then I'll actually ask them to go away and really reflect on their own sin. Uh, after I get open about mine, I'll then encourage them to go get open about their own on their own, and then come back and see if they want to be a bit open about it and get some of it out. And then I'll usually look at Luke 7, and then move on uh, to the cross uh, of Christ. And so, again, that's the strategy that I, I sometimes will use, but there are other times where I will not uh, approach it that way. But that's a very powerful passage that I think, again, c- captures you know God's heart. Um, in, in the confrontation of our sin. And I think it's very important to make that correlation. Uh, again, so we're not looking down on others or, or, or making people feel, uh, you know, beaten up uh, by their sinful nature. Mark 7, uh, 21 to 22 is one of those sin lists in the, in the New Testament. This is Jesus' own uh, sin list. Um, let's read that real fast. Mark 7, and maybe we can do a little uh, purposeful question wedge. Get two more volunteers. I think it was Kenny and... Curtis last time. So maybe a couple of the, a couple of the uh, older Christians in the room could volunteer. Mark 7, 
21 to 22, um, you know, it's good to get the context. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, and he's challenging them on the way they had made all these laws to follow the law, what he calls the traditions of men in this passage. Uh, and, and he actually, you know, he says, you, you know, you do these things, but you're not actually dealing with the source of your sin, right? And in, and in verse 20, he says, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean, which, which back then, unclean to us would be sinful, you know, or, or a sinner today. For from within, he says, out of men's hearts, in verse 21, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside, it says, and make a man unclean. Um, and so this is, uh, I like this list to couple with Galatians 5, uh, 19-21, which we'll look at next, um, because this to me gets into a lot of the sins of the heart. Because Jesus is addressing the heart here, right? And a lot of these things are not, they're not obvious outward things, they're things that oftentimes are in our, our thoughts, and in our, in our feelings deep inside that. Even sometimes we often conceal in our religious pride. Um, and Jesus is talking to very religiously proud people here, right? The, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff in here um, about where sin comes from and, and even what sin is. Uh, so do we have two volunteers to come on up into the hot seats and work through this purposeful question wedge on the, on the, the what, the how, and the why? The interpretation of this passage, some good questions to ask somebody. The application and the contemplation. Do we have two volunteers? Chits? 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 You can't volunteer people. You can volunteer. I didn't say volunteer people. Come on, guys. Don't be shy. There's no right or wrong here. There's no right or wrong. Okay, Mwamba, and then we need one more volunteer. Roland. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Enter the disciple maker dome. No, grab that chair. There, grab that chair. Grab that chair. So, Roland, why don't you? Why don't, let's say Mwamba's your 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 coworker, and you're you're trying to you know. <laughs> hey, now I do think it's safer for a man to study to sit and study with a man. And a woman said it's instead with a woman, but Jesus didn't do that, so we don't need to, you know, we don't need to overreact. We have many traditions. We have many traditions in our church, don't we? Um, this is okay. Um, so maybe come closer. <laughs> it's awkward already. They're separating from each other. Um, because we're just trying to get to the questions. We're, we don't, we're not actually asking Mohammed to actually confess her sin right now. We're not, we're not doing that. But the idea is, is so Roland's going to start with some interpretation questions about the passage. Some, some what's. Then he's gonna, and she's going to answer. Then he's going to, based on her answers, kind of then transition to the, the hows, how that would apply today. And then finally the whys. Why, why does this matter? What's the contemplative questions that we want to ask our friend, you know, who we're studying the Bible with? So, you ready, Roland? Okay. Um, hi. Um, I just uh, just reading this passage, and I was just thinking, you know, is this about outward things or about what's inside your heart? As it says in verse twenty-one, from within, out of a person's heart. So it is talking about things inside rather than out. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I get, I get too. Um, 
So, um, so if these things start from the heart and then they, they lead to things, um, they kind of they generally seem to be kind of negative things. Um, I mean, do you think that the people, you know, uh, that God? How, how do you think that, that God feels about this? Is is God is God happy or God or disappointed or? Is God happy? Uh, hold on, I've lost my first thing. Well, talking about being unclean doesn't sound like a good thing because I, 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 I wouldn't want to walk around without having a bath for a week. That would be terrible. But I, I'm guessing this is more serious. So I don't think God is happy with us living like this. But you think there's, there's, there's good news there? There's some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that, that God obviously... Jesus is identifying these things, but in doing so, he also will be giving us a solution to these things. I'm, I'm hoping so, because um, if he's just telling me the bad news, it helps me to understand what he thinks is wrong. Um, because there are quite a few things on this list that I didn't think were wrong. Um, malice, deceit, envy, arrogance, lewdness. They're all things that maybe people wouldn't necessarily think were wrong. Well, I didn't anyway. So for me, it's good that I know what he thinks is wrong because I'd like a relationship where I don't upset him. I mean, I mean, would you think that that you know that perhaps when you know I do these things or you do these things or someone does these things that we have good intentions, but somehow our good intentions aren't enough? Is that, or do you think it's just about good intentions or? Um, good intentions. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think that um, that really counts. I might intend to be good, but ultimately, this makes. If I do anything on this list, whether I intended to be good or not, it's still wrong. So, so why do you think we, we do these things? Why do you think these things happen in our lives? Is it, what's the underlying cause of this? Is, is, um, is there some reason for this? Um, I'm thinking it's in our nature, it's in our mind. So it starts out of a person's heart, in our thoughts. So we are prone to do this. So that's where it comes from. I'm hoping you can help me not do this. Well, perhaps, perhaps on another occasion we could go into more specifics. <laughs> All right, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's hard. So Roland was 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 trying to pull out some some application, some contemplation from that passage. Anything anything uh, you know that you thought was really good about the way Roland approached it? Some things that stood out as far as a, a good a good question, a good a good angle. Okay, yeah. It's pointed, yeah. His spirit was really good. It wasn't aggressive or condemning in any way, yeah. It wasn't judgmental, okay, yeah.
Okay, yeah. All right. Anything else with, with the way Roland approached that, with the questions? Yeah, he talked about God a lot. It wasn't about me and you, and it was a lot about God, but I thought that was very good. A lot of the questions were back to God, and what does God think? Yeah. Anything else? Can you not ask me questions that are important Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I, I I didn't necessarily get like the the what the how and the why. I didn't get the wedge from Roland, and that's okay. But I did I did I did feel like the questions he asked Mwamba, you know, would make her think and make her contemplate and make her really share what's in her heart. And that and that's the whole idea. It doesn't have to be this perfect presentation, uh, you know, uh, the wedge. But the wedge is the idea of the wedge is we drive the scripture further and further, really, into someone's heart. Because the point is to be convicted of sin, judgment, and righteousness, so the Holy Spirit can help us to become a Christian if we're studying the Bible. Um, so I thought, you know, in that sense, you know, you can't go wrong with with any approach. So, um, yeah. Any other observations on that? Well, thank you, uh, Roland and Wamba. That's it's hard to be on the spot uh, and go through that. And again, the the idea of the purposeful question worksheets, which is on the website, you can get those, is to actually write down. You know, interpretation, application, and contemplation questions uh, about each scripture in a study. And you can even do that before a study. And, and not necessarily that you would bring that sheet, but you, you might, you know, and, and that can help you if you can't remember them all and, and you can't think fast on your feet sometimes. Um, I still, I get to study still, and I've been trying to do this for about five years now, and I still just kind of go, I don't know what to say next. I know I need to ask another question, but I'm not sure what that question is, you know. So it's, it's and, and sometimes we should be praying, asking God to give us insight even in the study. I was watching Ed Anton and he was saying that he likes to he likes to let, and he started this whole program. He said he likes to let people lead the studies if they can do it. And that he likes to sit in on the study and pray most of the time. God, please open their heart right now. Please help them understand the scripture just in his in his head while he's also sharing and taking notes. And so, you know, we don't need to be formulaic again. Um, and again, I appreciate Roland volunteering and Mwamba as well. Amen. Um, and this might be fun to do at home. You know, role play with each other. You know, play devil's advocate even sometimes. Mamo took it easy on Roland. She didn't do that. But, you know, amen. People will have challenging questions. People will ask things we may not be prepared to answer. And, and, and I think, honestly, one of the best answers, if you don't know the answer, is say, you know, I really don't know the answer to that question. Thank you for asking. I'll go back and I'll read my Bible and I'll ask some questions and I'll come back. Once I've researched that, that's okay. We're not experts here. We're not theologians who have you know, divinity degrees. We're, we're just Christians trying to share our faith. Um, Galatians 5, um, of course, is the, uh, another sin list that Paul wrote down. We'll go through the definitions of those sins here at the end just to kind of uh, make sure we're clear on some of those because some of those can be confusing. They're not necessarily words we normally use today. Um, but, of course, Galatians 5 is a powerful passage to drive home the point because uh, it's written to the church that those who live in sin, it says, will not inherit uh, the kingdom of God. And that, of course, is a very powerful passage and a powerful question to ask somebody, what does will not inherit the kingdom of God mean? You know, and helping them to really think about that. Um, 
And uh, I'll never forget, for me, I'll never forget when I was sitting, I was sitting in the University of Cincinnati has this open-air uh, American football stadium, and you could just go in there and sit and hang out. And, and my sense that he was in that stadium. And I remember it. And I just remember it was a sunny day in that stadium. We're sitting down, and, you know, it was a sunny day, but, man, that was some serious darkness getting revealed in me, you know. And, uh, and I'll never forget, you know, as a 19-year-old guy, I've never seen somebody, ever, Never seen, well, maybe, yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen a man talk about weakness, talk about his own sin, his own shortcomings. And this guy, you know, Kurt Ammons, he's, a, he's still a buddy of mine. He's in the ministry in Chicago to this day. And, uh, you know, Kurt shared about his life and what, how he was living before he became a Christian and all the sin in his life. And he was just, I was just, I was, I was floored. I just never, I've never seen anybody do that, you know. And, and it was very powerful to me to think, what? Wait a second, if this guy can, can, can be a strong Christian like he is now, but that's where he was, maybe there's hope for me. And it was so powerful, and it actually encouraged me. And then I could open right there with him, and, I, and to this day, that was the first time I'd met him. And I just, I just brought it all out to him, you know, because there was just something so powerful about him reading that passage and saying, well, you know, here, here's who I was. Here's, here's who I still can be. Uh, it was very powerful. And he defined a lot of the sins for me. And we'll go through that here uh, here uh, to wrap up. Ephesians 5 is another powerful passage. It talks a lot about our hearts and not even a hint of sin. That's the standard of a Christian who, who walks in the light and not being deceived uh, by empty words. Uh, James 4.17. Can someone read that? Tam mentioned it earlier. Can I get a reader for James 4.17? I think the new NIV changed it a little bit. I'll quote it. Old NIV still throws me off sometimes. Someone read that for us? Somebody have the new NIV. Okay, is it the new one? Not the 84? Okay, girl. 2010, that's right. Yeah. So it's the, it's the sins of commission in Galatians 5. Uh, certainly is the most uh, descriptive list of the sins of commission, things we do that, that are sinful. It says there in Galatians 5.19, the acts, the acts, A-C-T-S, of the sinful nature are obvious. But James 4.17 refers to the sins of omission, as Tam referenced earlier, right? The, the good we know we ought to do, but when we don't do it, we're actually sinning. Uh, and that, to me, was just as powerful, having done a discipleship study before the sin study, to me to kind of see, wow, I'm really, I'm really not living the way God wants me to live. Um, that's one of the advantages, I think, of the discipleship study being early. If someone has a religious background, it can be very convicting uh, in light of the sins of omission uh, in James 4.17. But again, the discipleship study can be done later on, as we talked about last time. Uh, and then Isaiah 59... Uh, 1 through 3, of course, talks about the ultimate consequence of our sin, that it separates us from God. God is holy. He cannot have a relationship with, with sin, and so our sin ultimately separates us from God, and that's why he said Jesus was to break down that wall of sin and bring us in a right relationship with him. You may have to research a little bit about you know God's holiness, God's wrath, and, and, and understand that to, to properly teach that passage. Why would God create us and then not want to be with us? So people can get a very skewed view of God, but it goes back to his nature, his character, his holiness. Um, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, is another great passage you can use to, to, to demonstrate that, you know, whether you have one sin or a million, once we sin, we, you know, we, we are, we, you know, we, we're falling short and we're separated from God. Um, uh, yeah, there's lots of other passages uh, we can look at. We won't jump into all that tonight. Um, and so... Um, 
Yeah, we're going to skip this. We went through this already. There's a few more uh, questions. You know, interpretation, what is to blame for our sins? That is, where does it come from on the Mark 7.20 passage that um, Wamba and Roland went through? The application, what other sources have you blamed for your sin? That's a great question. Um, and notice it doesn't use how there, it uses what. You don't always have to use how on an application scripture uh, question. And then contemplation, why is it easier for you to blame these other factors for your sin? Why are you less likely to change these sins if you blame other sources? Um, so this is some interpretation, application and contemplation questions for what we looked at uh, there with Roland and Mwamba. Um, so yeah, so again, the, the, the slides will be on the website and you can get this stuff later. For sake of time, I'll move on. Uh, lots of other passages that could be used. Um, Romans 3, Romans 6 are not even on this. Uh, these are some additional passages um, uh, that are a bit different that I don't normally always use, but they're very powerful to to show the consequences of sin, to show, uh, you know, like Revelation 21.8 talks about the burning lake of sulfur, the, this ultimate separation from God uh, that, that non-believers will have in the end. And one of the people that, that, that's included with the sexual immoral and the murderers are the cowardly. The cowardly. And we don't see we don't see cowardice the same as we see you know those other things, but the, but the Bible makes that pretty clear that, that you know that sin of the heart is just as dangerous. Um, so some of these you might have, and it might be helpful to someone who is belittling a sin or you know doesn't doesn't see that that sin's as bad as that sin. These are a lot of those kinds of passages uh, that are good to know. Um, and we didn't go through Romans 3.23. We didn't go through Romans 6.23. There's other, you know, there's another, a way to build through the book of Romans, kind of the consequence of sin. Of course, the latter part of Romans is, is all the, the solution to our sin, which is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, so to close out here, I just want to, um, before I give us a little personal charge, uh, just to just to go through the definitions of sin um, that are in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Uh, sexual immorality, uh, that Greek word pornea, obviously where we get the modern word pornography in English. Um, it's it's literally uh, sex outside of marriage, um, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a worldview kind of sense. Um, that, of course, is not necessarily considered sinful today, but the Bible uh, is very clear. And again, you might need to do your homework on how to teach someone from the Bible that sex outside of marriage is sinful. Because uh, the word alone sometimes does not convince people today uh, of that matter. Uh, and so that would go back to Genesis and kind of the origin of, of the sexual relationship between a man and a woman. What was God's intent in that? Um, but of course, hopefully they can just take it at face value because um, the, the, the Greek word is pretty clear. Uh, impurity, uh, you know, is, is of course connected to that. Uh, debauchery is an unhealthy overindulgence um, in, in such behaviors. It's interesting, those three words are coupled together. There's a a space semicolon in the NIV because those are kind of linked together and, 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 and any cycle of sin does become that and especially things that are addictive that are very pleasurable such as sexual sin. Um, so I think in this day and age considering uh, the amount of wide, wide, wide accepted views on homosexuality, transgender, all these kinds of things. Again, we live in an ever-evolving society that becomes more and more permissive of things the Bible is very, very clear on that are sinful. Um, and so, you know, we, we need to learn how to handle people and approach people. And again, in a way that points out what is wrong, but doesn't, doesn't condemn, um, but ultimately points them to the grace of God. And so uh, there's a lot there we could get into, I'm sure. Uh, maybe that'll be for another time. 
learn about how to deal with some of that. But certainly if you encounter things that you've not, you're not sure how to address, there's lots of resources out there. As far as same-sex attraction, uh, Guy Hammond is a brother in our, in our churches who does a phenomenal job teaching on it. He lived that lifestyle for a long time. He's now married with kids, leads a church, um, and uh, he does a great job, I think, speaking truth and love to people with that kind of background. Um, and his website is Strength and Weakness. Dot .org strength and weakness dot .org he actually has a, a guy now who was transgendered and uh, Manny was watching uh, a podcast of his recently and Manny said it was just so powerful the, this guy's testimony and and where he came from to where he is today uh, and these these are brothers in our our fellowship of churches so there's lots of resources out there with with sexual sin which I think becomes more and more more and more complicated and more and more diverse uh, as the times continue to, uh, to to move in the wrong direction um Idolatry and witchcraft show up in Galatians 5, 19-21 after those first uh, listed sexual sins. Um, idolatry is not just worshiping you know, uh, you know, a statue or burning candles to some uh, false god. It could just be the worship of, of anything. Greed is mentioned as an idol in Ephesians 5, of course. So that's referring to you know, the, the worship of money, uh, if you will. Witchcraft is an interesting one. The Greek word is pharmakia, where we get the modern word pharmacy. Uh, and so we, we think of like Ouija boards and cauldrons and witch hats, but that's not really what it's referring to. Uh, it's actually referring to uh, kind of the you know black magic, the, the you know the idea of hallucinogens uh, are often combined with that kind of you know kind of dark religion. Um, and so you know in some sense, drug use today is exactly that's exactly what that is. Uh, you know, it, it's witchcraft uh, in an indirect way. And so certainly as we challenge you know the abuse of marijuana, even things like that, uh, some of those some of these passages, when you understand the Greek words, can actually help people to kind of see uh, the sinful uh, intent, perhaps, at least, behind drug use, uh, for example. Um, but obviously there's people who believe in, there is Wicca and things like that even to this day, uh, dark dark uh, spiritual forces that are out there. Um, hatred, discord, jealousy, uh, those are a bit more obvious. Um, and uh, yeah, I won't get into those uh, necessarily because I think those are a bit more straightforward. Um, I'll never forget when the guy said to me, "Well, you know, how did Jesus treat his enemies?" Oh, it says he loved them. Yeah. So, so are you a hateful person? Oh, yeah. I guess I am. Actually, I never thought about that before. Like he pointed out to me, you know, do you do you, do you love your enemies? No, I certainly don't. I hate them. So, well, there you go. That's you know, that's hate in your heart. And I was shocked when when a, when a man pointed that out to me for the first time. Um, fits of rage. Um, fits of rage are interesting. Um, I'm going to talk about anger. On Sunday, a bit from from Luke, as we get, jump back into Luke, um, but so, some anger is not sinful. But at some point, and there's a fine line there for most humans. Jesus would be the exception. He always was angry, you know, righteously. But we as humans often err sinfully with our anger. Um, and uh, yeah, there's 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 different words in the Greek. Um, the, the Greek word is thymos, and it means literally fury, wrath. Um, it's an it's an intense desire and con. Trash with with uh, orge, which is settled indignation, settled indignation, and so that that's that's what Jesus, of course, always displayed. And we'll look at him doing just that when he heals a man with a shriveled hand on Sunday. Selfish ambition is pretty obvious. Um, looking to yourself more than others and your ambition. Um, dissensions and factions are interesting. Uh, we don't use those words a lot today, uh, but dissensions are discord, division, disunity. Uh, you know the, the kind of behavior that encourages that kind of 
of uh, separation within the church, factions, uh, a separatist group characterized by loyalty to a certain school of thought and practice. Uh, and unfortunately, church history is full of, of those kinds of challenges. So we certainly need to, uh, you know, address those kinds of sins and people's sinful natures and not belittle those things. As we know, it can certainly, uh, you know, these are the kinds of sins that can hide in our hearts and, and cause a lot of damage uh, within the fellowship. Uh, envy, drunkenness, uh, orgies are often associated with, you know, uh, you know, today with, you know, pornographic scenes or whatever of lots of people together uh, uh, being immoral. But really it's this idea of, of just excessive feasting and revelry. It's this idea of just a sinful party in general. And so uh, under that definition, uh, many worldly parties today are just that. Um, and the like, you know, would Jesus do it? I like to ask people. Would you want your, your, your child to do it? You know, well, maybe, well then maybe that, that, that's, that's sinful. You know, it's not like we don't know. Galatians 5.19 says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. It's not that we don't know uh, that sin is sin. Manny's going to share for a few minutes here. Um, to the women. Uh, challenges for women in the sin study. I think I have like three minutes. So we really... Okay. Um, okay, I have five. Um, yeah, the, the, thought, the thing I thought of was the encounter of Jesus. I mean, there's lots of encounters of Jesus with different people, but I was thinking about the way Jesus encountered the woman, woman at the well and how he drew out her heart. And, um, you know, he asked the right questions and he approached this woman who was and, t- and was talking to this woman who wouldn't have been talked to. And, and um, anyway, I just thought about how there were, there were parallels to that, even with the sin study, of really helping women to feel comfortable with us, asking them the right type of questions, um, but not forcing things, not forcing them to... And not that we would force, but I think it's easy to put pressure on people and out of good intentions... Um, we want to be. We want everyone to feel comfortable with us. We don't want people just like Jesus. I mean, those most sinful people felt comfortable with them, and so we don't. We just have to be. I think women are particularly. I, I would think more sensitive to this than men. I think especially if you've come from a difficult past or things have happened, we never want women to feel judged or that we're looking down or you know. Um, I think being open and being vulnerable ourselves helps so much of that. Um, yeah, and then I just thought of some specific sins or, uh, that can be more specific to women, but to men too, are um, abortion, uh, sexual abuses, and th- ways in which they've been hurt, rape, things like that, the forgiveness and bitterness that goes along with that, um, eating disorders, substance abuse, um, you know, and, and more things that are more specific often to women. But those aren't things we, we, we're not counselors, and we want to help people deal with their hearts and get them help if they need more help. Um, I guess unless we're, we're Karen or Kay, then we are counselors. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, our goal is to help them to find Jesus and to find salvation, and we can't fix them. We're not fixed. We're still all flawed. Um, we want them to help them find repentance. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's... Yeah, that I can end there. I just thought the, the main point is that we don't want women to feel any shame. I think when we the, when we leave the sin study, I think people will. I mean, when we see our sin, it's hard, it's painful um, for some of us who, especially people who are more sensitive by nature, and we don't want people to feel that way. Um, but to help, but to help them to understand, in order to be healed, you always have to receive a diagnosis first. And so helping them see, we're just trying to help you receive the diagnosis so you can be healed. So, yeah. Amen. Thanks, honey.
Yeah, so as we, as we mentioned earlier in the, the awkward encounter between uh, Roland and, and Wamba when we saw what we had done, um, it, is, it is beneficial, I think, for women to uh, study sin with women and men to sin with, sin with men. That's because generally we relate more in that sense and it's easier to be open and vulnerable uh, toward the same sex. Not to say you cannot do that you know, you know, ac- across, across the other way, but I do think there's a general pattern there. Um, and so, yeah, so I think in the church, you know, you, you hear a lot of preaching and teaching from the men, and so I think it's important for the sisters to think about, you know, making sure that we're doing a great job uh, taking care of women and their needs. Uh, and that's why I wanted Amanda to even share just a little bit uh, from her own experience. Uh, James 4.17, as we close out here, digging deeper, uh, we are going to practice what we preach as a church. And we are not going to uh, walk around and uh, talk about uh, dealing with sin if we're not dealing with our own sin, right? Uh, and, and I think this passage, uh, you know, Manny and I were talking today, you know, what's a, what's a passage that's really convicting uh, for the average Christian when it comes to the sin setting? And we thought of, you know, she thought of James 4.17, and I agreed with her. Uh, Kenny read it earlier. Anyone who, who then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, that is sin for them. So it's the sin of omission. Um, and so as, as, if you're a Christian tonight, I want you to really, to really think about, you know, do you first of all know the good you ought to be doing? Are you asking God, seeking God's will in your life? What, what is the good God wants you to be doing right now in your life? That's a good question to ask. That's an exciting thing. You know, Mark, Marcus talked about it Sunday. We, you know, God, He wants to use us specifically to do great things for Him. And that's some of those, some of those ideas. That's some of the good God wants us to, to be doing, right? But, but then the second part of it is, you know, it's not just finding that out, but then what are we doing about that? And, you know, generally as Christians, it's easy for us to, to stay away from this, the sins of commission, and, and to fear those, and to confess those, and to repent of those, that, that's pretty commonplace. But we should be just as radical and just as willing to, to confess and deal with the sins of omission. You know, I, I, I should be doing this. I, I should be doing that. You know, our, our movement back in the day had this legend of the 30 would-be disciples in the living room of the Gimples. Who's familiar with that story? I, I, it's gone around. Yeah, okay. It wasn't just in America. And, you know, there's this group of people who decided to do something great for God. It became this, this a big part of our movement that, you know, that, that has gone around the world today. And, and, and you know, they, they, they wanted to be disciples, you know, and the 30 would-bes, they called them. And, and I think today, unfortunately, we can be the would-be disciples. I would be a disciple, but I wouldn't be a disciple if. And we start making excuses for ourselves. And, and like we talked about even, even at, during the discipleship study, that we've watered down in many ways with that mentality, the, 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 the inspiring example and call that Jesus brings us in life. And so I really want to encourage us tonight to, to, to confess some sins of omission to God. To confess some sins of omission to one another and, and to decide to repent of that sin in our life. And maybe it's getting back to having great quiet times. Maybe it's getting back to, to sharing your faith like, like the world needs to hear the good news rather than just when it's convenient. You know, oh, I get a perfect opportunity, I'll share my faith. No, we should be sharing our faith because we know people need to hear the good news. You know, maybe it's, it's that kind of sin that you need to repent of. I, I don't know what it is for you, but I ask you, and I ask myself to, to, to consider that. What is the good that I have not been doing, that I know God wants me to be doing again in my life? And to, and to confess that. And to, and to get help with that and to repent of that, uh, that can change 
my life. That can change your life in a heartbeat when we really just decide uh, to, to, to deal with even just the sins of the heart. The sins of the heart can choke us out. It's the third soil in the parable of the sower. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the seed, making it unfruitful. The sins of omission oftentimes are just that. Um, so let's really be people who uh, take uh, the sins of omissions as serious as the sins of commission. And I believe God will use that to, as, 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 as we share our faith with our friends to point us to Jesus, to point us to the cross, to give us uh, you know, conviction from the Holy Spirit. So that God can use us to do greater and greater things. Um, I appreciate the time tonight. It's 8.31. I'm one minute over. Uh, Thank you. We'll see everybody uh, Sunday at 4 p.m. right back here. Let's have a good night.